Hey, this is Andy Jenkins, and welcome back to the podcast. A couple things that I want to draw your attention to really quickly before I get started. Number one is down in the show notes, there are a couple links for free stuff, and free is good, right? Number one down there is the free advanced planner. That's the tool that I use every single day to really map out uh, what I'm doing. It's it's a day planner, and, and I know there are a lot of great ones out there. That's why I'm giving you this one totally free. Download it as a PDF if you like it. You can buy the hardback, and you can buy uh, one, or you can buy three and get one free, and I'll give you the free video course. Uh, I'm looking at it right here, kind of flipping through it. You might can hear the paper right there. Uh, here's, here's what I like about it. On each day, it's, it has a two-page spread for your planning, but then there's another two-page spread on the next uh, two pages of each day. And it, it just kind of goes like this. On the left side, it has space for notes for business or for your work, and then thoughts, jots, and doodles regarding your dreams. So you're working on fitness or family or whatever it is that you're planning out that's important to you, top mind awareness. Notes right there for just things that you think about. Uh, at the bottom of that page on the left is the daily review. That starts off like this. Three things I am grateful for today are, and, and then you just list them. This becomes the basis for my top seven blog post each week. Every Sunday I do this weekly review where I look back at the previous week at, at that point, 21 things that I'm thankful for that I'll, I'll be honest with you, some days there are huge things that I am overwhelmed by. And, and then some days there's there's just small things and they're all important, but I've, but I've noticed how many things I would have forgotten or overlooked had I not kept them at the top of my awareness by writing them down, just, just a little sentence or phrase at the end of each day. On the right side of the page, a uh, couple questions. First question on the right side, something I could have done better today, an area I could have improved. Every day, there are certain things where, uh, sometimes there will always be sin issues, where you're like, oh, I was really short with that kid. Oh, or I, golly, this work situation, I could have handled that better. Or, man, I, I overscheduled myself today, and I could have. There, there's always areas for improvement. And, and this is really an acknowledgement that, Experience is a great teacher if you evaluate that experience. So no condemnation, just, hey, what's something I could have done better? Um, another question related to that, what didn't get done today that must be completed tomorrow? So if you're like me, you have this to-do list and a lot of it just keeps kind of getting pushed down. Uh, that's okay. You know, some things, it's, it's kind of like, hey, if it gets done today, it's great. But then sometimes it's like, ah, this is really got to be done tomorrow. Got to pay that bill. Got to call that person, gotta, whatever, run that ear and write it down. Uh, and then I like this section, uh, tune in to my spouse or significant other each day. So there's just kind of five spaces there, just two lines per space. So it's, it's not a lot of writing. It's just for years I had been told I should journal. And even though I write as one of my main sources of income, I just could never figure out how to journal. And so this actually helped me do that with some intentionality. And this one right here is important because 
the person on the planet that you most want to tune into and most want to align with, because you're doing life with them, it makes sense to just say, hey, how's their heart? How about their physical stamina? Uh, What's something they need for me spiritually? What do they need me to show them for work or finances or family? Like just to keep the communication there, what do they need personally? What's something I can do to bless them? All of those are questions that are there. And then finally, where did I add value today? Family, business, or some other place. And so um, that's really the resource. Another time I'll highlight something else to you. I'm going to set it aside. You can download it completely free uh, down in the show notes at the bottom link below uh, from my website. Also, if you'll go down, you'll see a link to the new app. LifeLift is the name of it, designed to empower you with faith-driven life coaching to live life at the next level. Um, that is that is there, and I've unlocked the audiobooks, the Advance audiobook and the Soul Wholeness audiobook. Advance is about life empowerment, about moving forward, goal setting, uh, really in a life-giving, encouraging way, and it affects every area of life, not just so often we think of like financial or work goals. This is across the board. And then second of all, Soul Wholeness is the emotional freedom book um, that I've written. So I I would encourage you to go take advantage of both of those resources down in the show notes. All right, that that is a five and a half minute intro. I'm looking at the clock right here. Let's get started. In the previous week, I really talked about the law of the harvest, and that was a build on the idea of The week before that, success. Success, I said, was, is living up to your God-given potential in each area of life. Not my potential, your potential. Not someone else's potential, yours. And and that acknowledges that, hey, our God-given potential in certain areas, man, mine is off the chart in some areas where yours isn't. Yours is off the chart in areas where mine isn't because God has uniquely gifted us in precise ways where we need each other, where we add value to each other, we equip and supply to each other. He's designed it in a way where we need each other. And so success isn't matching somebody else. It's matching the blueprint that was created for you. And that requires intentional time and effort. We talked about that in uh, really two weeks ago, and success most often, it is a recipe, not a lottery ticket. Uh, a recipe meaning it looks like the right amount of time, the correct ingredients, a certain intensity. Uh, we refer to it as often a long obedience in a consistent right direction. And that led us to the previous week. And the talk on the law of the harvest of reaping and sowing, that you always reap what, where, more than, and after you sow. And I said that was a principle that was rooted in creation. I want to to take this whole conversation a little farther today. Before I do, I want to give you one more more, uh, bold, big example of sowing and reaping. 
I said it was a principle of creation, seed-bearing plants, and we just uh, limit it to seed-bearing plants, but it applies to every area of life. Here's, here's the greatest example of it. It's not just a model that's put forth in creation. It is the model of redemption. The Father literally sowed the Son of God in order to, by the power of the Spirit, reap you and me. So sowing and reaping is the blueprint of how the whole redemption, salvation promise works. Uh, John 12, 24, it's Palm Sunday. The crowds are gathering together. They're looking for Jesus. And Jesus tells Philip and Andrew, he says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never anymore than a single grain of wheat. Now, pause right there. That sounds like a seed going into the ground. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. Okay, there it is. What you sow, wheat, where? Right there in the field. More than, many times over, after you sow. Here's, here's what's amazing, though. In that passage, it, he literally is talking about his death. And he's talking about how he's going to be glorified in his death in the manner of which he is going to die. And as the scripture says, he dies and brings many sons and daughters to glory. So this is not just a principle of creation. This is a description of redemption and if, if you've read uh, the book, I Have Redemption, you realize that redemption covers also every single facet of life. And so that is the entire, entire uh, principle maybe ordered right there. Now, now, here's the idea that I want to talk to you about today, and it is swimming underwater, uh, swimming underwater. Here's maybe a sentence to say and apply. Most of the visible success that you have, most of the visible outward manifestation, uh, visibility of living up to your God-given potential, it comes from doing the things that no one else sees. Just like the seeds. Just like Jesus in the grave. You think about a plant, most of the process of a plant's growth, it happens beneath the surface, hidden in a place no one observes. And I believe that success, living up to your God-given potential in each area of life is like that. Most of the factors that create visible success, they're invisible. They're real. They're measurable. They're tangible. You do them. You feel the energy expenditure and exertion of them, but most other people don't ever see them. And, and here's maybe just kind of in parentheses. This is why problems arise when we compare our daily grind to someone else's highlight reel or their moment on the stage. We most often don't see the myriad the multitude of factors that contribute to their trophy moment. Again, most of the actions which create visible success, they're unseen. 
Uh, you've, you've probably seen a great example of this. There's a picture floating around on the internet. I have it in the advanced book of, uh, I think it's on page, I'm going to look it up, 163 of that iceberg. Iceberg above the surface of the ocean, and you see 10%. 90% exist under the surface. Now, I heard a preacher talk about this metaphor, you know, visible on top, un invisible under the water. And he used the metaphor to talk about character flaws that are beneath the surface of our lives, the, the unseen things we hide, the uh, clutter that left unchecked. It can bring things as massive, as monumental as the Titanic down literally in a night. Uh, you, you know those stories, you know, a ministry leader fails because of some huge thing beneath the surface or a marriage falls apart, disintegrates because of some relational rift that kept getting swept away under the rug rather than discussed. Or a kid shuns the parents and parents shun kids because of some hurt that it was just dug so deep and no one would simply own it so that everybody can move forward. Or maybe even a, a hidden addiction. Alcohol, porn, drugs, sex, so, something like that suddenly combusts and then someone or some dream goes up in smoke. Okay, so you've seen all that and you've probably heard it from that perspective. And, and you could add more stuff to the list. You've seen it play out in real time. You might have lived it in real time. I've, I've lived it in real time. But... In this talk, in our time together, I'm not trying to speak about unseen things that we should avoid. I mean, we all we all know that. We all know there's stuff that we've got to steer clear of. The, the point of this is I want to call your attention to unseen things that we should not avoid. Unseen things to which we often uh, don't pay attention and a lot of times that's because we're more enamored with results. We're more enamored with some of the, the these seen things. But a lot of times it's these unseen things, the 90% under the water, the 90% of the iceberg that you can't see, that creates the greatness, that generates the capacity for you to live up to your God-given potential in each area of life. Uh, that's the stuff that's important. It looks like, let's describe it, persisting when you're tired or bored. It looks like failing at a dream and then getting back up and trying it again. It looks like sacrificing time when you could be doing other things and receiving an instant result on something lesser than plotting away at something greater. It, it looks like dealing with humiliation and then stepping back and showing your face to the same crowd often more than once. Um, it looks like overcoming doubt and frustration, which those are inevitable feelings when anything above that I've already mentioned happens. It looks like good habits over an extended period of time. It looks like sometimes even feeling alone as you persist, as you do hard work that no one else seems to see. Uh, if you're a stay-at-home parent, right there, 
that one probably just described you. In, in other words, to succeed, you, you've got to grow comfortable with this under-the-water type of stuff. Uh, it, it, in the book, I actually say it like this. Everyone who walks on water at first, because when we see somebody successful, we're like, oh, they, they can do no wrong. Like everything just kind of comes easy to them. No, no, no. Everybody who walks on water learns by swimming under the water first. And what I'm saying is these things aren't negative. They're just part of the process, uh, working the hours required, continuing the good habits, pressing forward even when no one else is, um, pushing forward even when you don't seem to be making progress. Those are often the things that occur right before the biggest breakthroughs seem to fall into place. You might have even seen seen the cartoon it's floating on the internet where there's a, a there's two lines um one on one line there is a worker he's in a coal mine and he's chiseling hard away trying to get through the coal to the diamonds and you can see the diamonds on the far side of the cartoon and below him uh, he's about halfway there below him there's another man that has was almost about to break through. I mean, literally, there were just scraps of coal before he got to the diamonds, but he has turned and is carrying his pick and is walking in the opposite direction away from his dream. And so often, that's where we we quit, is so many times right when we are just about to get to the breakthrough. One thing that I encourage people to do is figure out what 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 does it require because if it's your dream, you'll invest the time it takes to succeed and even when no one else sees. And if and if it's not your dream, you you probably won't. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that, you know, this might not be your dream. Something else is your dream. Um, that means you've got to, it's re- really kind of an ownership thing. And so when you start applying this, you start thinking, well, if, if, if you want to lose weight, you're likely going to need to exercise 30 minutes a day, five days a week. You need to adjust your food to take. Uh, anything less, it's probably not your dream. And yes, those are things that you do that no one else sees. Uh, if you want to write a book, you, you need a couple hours a day to two hours at least for several months. If if you're not willing to do that, it's probably not your dream. If you want a sizzling marriage, I think you need a date night or some other form of time alone. And, and if not, again, it's probably not your dream. If, if you want your kids' hearts, you probably have to turn off the TV or or turn it on with them and watch some things they, they want to watch. Block an hour a night for family dinner. Leave your phone in the briefcase or the backpack until they go to bed. You, you know, you, you get to decide, but this sort of honest evaluation, it forces us to consider whether or not the dream, in fact, really is ours. 
remember, I think it was maybe two episodes ago, I said something like this. Success isn't just a matter of doing the right things, effort. It's also a matter of doing the right things consistently over the long haul. Time. Both are important. A little time doing the right things is as ineffective as a lot of time doing the wrong things. And success, it doesn't, it doesn't exist without the journey. It doesn't exist without doing the things that are required. In fact, everyone who is successful fast generally comes to the game with years of experience previously. They generally come with numerous and valuable relationships. They have an immense amount of skill they've already developed, which all means that their starting line usually isn't the starting line that you see. They've already been working the dream, sometimes even unbeknownst to themselves, developing a skill set, developing a, a pattern of behavior for years, sometimes even for decades. And then even when they are successful, I would remind you that most of the work to sustain a dream is still, it remains the unseen stuff that most people never get to see. Um, a few years ago, uh, a friend of mine, he'd been wildly successful in business. He spoke to a group. It was Advanced 6.0, which, by the way, you can also access all of the video content for that event completely free from a link in the show notes below. Um, this guy, he spoke. Uh, he's he half lumberjack-looking Harley rider. <clears throat> he's half professional brainiac. So that's an odd combination right there. T- totally gracious totally wholehearted and fully present whenever he's with you, Scott, he told the guys that his overnight success in business was anything but instant. Now, from the outside, you would think that by seeing him. But but he said it was hours, hours of walking around the house at night holding a baby during when he would be asleep because that's the only position in which the baby would sleep. He, he said it was days of not seeing his wife while they worked their business to climb their way out of six figures of debt. It was months of questioning if this was the right path or if they should call it quits. In, in other words, like that questioning that sometimes we do, that's part of it. And he, he told us straight up, it took years, years for seemingly overnight success to arrive. It was actually years totaling a decade, to be precise. He and his wife, they chiseled away at the dream bit by bit, simply pushing through the journey, swimming underwater, beneath the surface where most of the iceberg exists. I I listened to him speak from a place of tenderness, transparency, grace, and it hit me. We, we look at everyone else's moment and we just assumed it happened. I, I was writing a chapter about this content in the advanced book, chapter 14. And for some reason, as I did, I started thinking about Dorothy and the wonderful Wizard of Oz. We assume 
just kind of recounting the story. It's probably because I was drafting this when uh, I, Ivy and I, one of my daughters, we'd gone to London and we saw Wicked, which was kind of a takeoff on the Wizard of Oz. Tells kind of the other side of the story. So that's probably why this was on uh, my brain. But, but, but we assume, Dorothy and the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, that some magician or fairy simply waves a wand, she clicks her heels a few times, and boom, home free. But you think about it, Dorothy, in her journey, it was hardly a few clicks. It was a long, long winding yellow road that went through treacherous places, filled with obstacles, trials, tribulations, tests, lions, bears, all of the things that she sings about. Most success is like that. We see everyone else's highlight reel, so we tend to compare our daily struggle to that because the things they're doing that create success are also unseen. We don't see them doing those things, and so we just assume that they only did what we can see, which is just that simple glimpse. You see, we see the victorious moment they post on Facebook, but we don't see the rest of the day including the time they shunned sleep or sacrificed a night with a family. We see the award they won, but we don't see the hours spent honing the skill and consistently working whatever process they used. We see the checkered flag, the victory lap, but we don't see the night they missed hanging out with friends, the early wake-up calls, the crash and burn on days that they really wanted to stay in bed. And maybe here's the whole point. Success, it doesn't exist without the journey. There's nothing overnight about it. Or or for the few for whom it is, it is more like winning the lottery for them instead of pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Pulling a rabbit out of a hat is a skill that takes years to master. And most of the time what I'm saying is even the the lottery thing, like it is just so rare and is generally just a small piece of the story. A few years ago, uh, I, I subbed at a BNI Business Network International uh, meeting. That's an organization. It's it's really this group where business owners from different businesses get together each week. They, I mean, really work together relationally to help each other find leads and build each other's businesses. They have chapters throughout the whole world where like-minded professionals, they learn about each other, they dive deep on each other's business model, offerings, and then they help each other through strategic connections that they already each have. (laughs) They've got so many chapters, you probably actually have one in your neighborhood that you might not even know about. Now, they only allow you, you got you got to commit to the process. So, so they only allow a few absences per year. So if you're going to be out, they encourage you to find a substitute that can take notes on everyone else's data, inform you, take your place at the meeting, and then you can kind of pick up and run from there. We lived a few blocks from where the local chapter met, and so I visited a few times with my wife. I got to know the group, 
And then I regularly got phone to sub whenever someone else needed to miss the meeting. I because I knew some of the members and because it was so close to my house. But I actually told them, I think I'm the professional stand-in here. Um, you know, I enjoyed riding with my wife to the meetings. I worked for the free coffee that they served every Thursday. It was, like it was, it was this totally a win-win. So one day though, here's what happened. I actually found myself subbing for my wife. That that was actually rare. Usually I was subbing for other people. Um in in fact, I think in the entire process I only stood in for her that one time. I arrived early. That's what her job was. Got there to greet people as they arrived. Uh, she typically performed that, so I was helping put out name tags and just kind of this welcome sign-in, sign-out, check-in table. There were, I think, maybe two or three people setting up when I walked in, and then one of the members approached me and just asked what would have been a customary question. Hey, who are you subbing for today? So I, I told him, I said, well, my wife, I'm actually filling in for her. He asked me if she was sick. And in that moment, I, I made a decision. I could have said, yes, she's sick and lied, or I could tell him the truth. Normally, I, I don't think I'm like this anymore, but during that season, for sure, I was one to hide. I opted not to hide, but to reveal what was actually happening. We were in a stage, a season of life, a long protracted series of years in which we were swimming underwater. And here's why. So often with your dream, it's not just the good habits. It's not just the showing up when you don't feel like it. It's not just the sacrifice. It's not just the doubt and frustration. It's not just the long hours. It's not just the isolation. It's not just the persistence related to that dream, we're working a life of multiple dreams in multiple areas. I am, you are. I have things I would like to see happen financially. You do too. I also, you also have things we would like to see in our health, in our family's health. We have things we would like to see relationally with family members, with friendships. We like uh, to see certain things happen in faith or in the realm of, of just uh, our careers. We, we have multiple things we're man, uh, managing. And so sometimes when one area takes a nosedive, it affects every other area. And when two or three take a nosedive or you're in a really tough stretch of the dream in multiple areas, it affects them all. In fact, I, I tell people, it's it's like spokes on a wheel. If you've ever ridden a bicycle and you lose a spoke, you know that at that point, the wheel gets a little bit wobbly and you're likely at that point to even lose another spoke because the integrity of the whole has been transformed. Life is like that. Every area of life affects every other area. And so when this member of BNI comes up to him and he says, hey, um, is she sick? In that moment, I opt to just say, hey, you know what? No, she's tired. Emotionally, we're threadbare. It's been a long year. And at this point, I mean, it had been long years 
plural, or years like with Z's on the end of it, long years. And so I told him, I said, I just, I just told her she could sleep in and rest and I would cover. Now, pause right there. Sometimes this is like a freebie add-on to the talks. Sometimes the biggest thing I think that you could do is practical. There's this episode. It's the story of Elijah. 1 Kings 18 and 19, you see it. Elisha has just slaughtered 450 prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel says that she's going to kill him. He runs for his life. And he is in that moment depressed. And here's the solution that God comes up with for him. Number one, he reminds him that he's not alone. There's 7,000 other people. He may feel like he's alone because the things that he's doing are often unseen. You see the moment on stage when he is standing up and calling fire down on an altar in the middle of a drought. But again, most of the stuff of success, living up to your God-given potential, even if you are a prophet, is unseen. That means you don't see anyone else, they don't see you, and God says there's 7,000 more. You just don't know about them. And, And then God does two highly practical things. Number one, he gives him some food and says, eat. And number two, he has him rest, sleep. Sometimes in the midst of all this churn and burn, the best thing you can do is very practical and make sure you actually get, I would say, the exercise, the food, the rest that your body needs. And so in that moment, r- rather than getting up and going to another 6 a.m. meeting, I, I just told her, I said, sleep. Now, as I'm talking, the gentleman in front of me, back at the B&I meeting, he could see me, and all of a sudden, I could see him. And I don't mean just physically. I mean, I could sense and feel that he was listening on an entire different level. Like I could see it in his eyes. His eyes got a little bit watery. Somehow the words I was speaking were serving life and breath to him. Even though these weren't positive, uplifting words, it was just the connection that we both realized that life is beautiful and life is tough. And right now, life is tough for both of us. So I kept talking. I told him, I said, in these meetings, everyone high fives, we fist bump, we talk about how great things are, how business is growing, how excited we are, all the things like that, that are true. The truth is also, though, that a lot of people are hurting. They're tired. They're drained. And they need a hug, not a handshake. They're pursuing dreams, and not even just the dreams of business, but the dreams of holding a family together. Sometimes as the only one in the family noticing that the family needs to be held together. They're holding the finances together. They're holding and fighting for health and connection and and, and every other thing that is, is tough. And, 
and just managing the scheduling of the kids' carpools and all the other stuff in the midst of all that and making sure every person in the family is watered and fed. Or maybe to use the analogy um, that I use in the book, the analogy that I started off this talk with, we're, we're all trying to stand on top of the iceberg, um, but we don't remember and don't realize and don't see the work that it's taken us to get there and the work that it takes to remain there and that a lot of us are in painful, gut-wrenching, under-the-surface moments of life. That friend, he looked at me, paused. This conversation was maybe five years ago, and I, I still remember where we were standing. Cleared his throat, and then he told me, it's been a hard year for us too. And I thought it was just us. Well, it, it turns out it's not just them. It's me and it's you and it's everyone in that room. And it leads us to, you know, maybe we just need to own that. Share the group hugs. Start stepping forward together. See each other. Encourage each other. Call forth the greatness with each other. Point to the destiny that's just ahead. You know, I've I've asked myself this multiple times. Like, even in a church, having worked in churches before, knowing how life is and knowing the kind of people that you bump into in business that so many times are struggling. You know, though, some people... are. The same people are in church. Would, would it be okay if somebody walked into church this Sunday at your church? Mascara running down their face, crying. Or if a man just felt broken. Or would we think somebody was crazy if they said they were really struggling and they didn't really have words for how or why or what, but they were just overwhelmed? You see? I think most people are swimming underwater most of the time. I I would say at least 90% of it. I am. You are. What would it be like if we realized that? Yet also simultaneously held in the tension that despite how bad things are right now in some areas, they're beautiful in other areas. And that the one doesn't negate the other. And even seeing the areas where we were under, quote, underperforming or didn't feel like we were living up to that God-given potential, even in that area, we knew that we could just consistently step forward with the support of brothers and sisters and things in time would get better. And we, in the process, would probably learn something that it wouldn't just be the payoff that was part of the payoff itself, but the process even would be part of the entire thing. And what would it mean to the people with whom we come in contact every day if we treated them as if they're underwater, that they've been holding their breath for a long time? How would that affect how we interacted with the waitress or the person serving us at the coffee shop or the guy that somehow does some maintenance on 
your house or the person at the car wash or the clerk at the store or just the person you bump into anywhere. And what if we took those moments, not just to chit chat or to fist bump, but to go one level deeper, to infuse life and hope into the person, to acknowledge their diligence, to honor even the struggle that we know that they're enduring imperfectly well. And to assume that they might be barely holding themselves above water, treading the wake through a long, protracted tiredness. What if we, what if we just started there? Do you see? My prayer for you as I sign off today is that the Lord would bless you. He would keep you. He would be gracious to you and shine his overwhelming face of favor upon you that that light would penetrate even the dark places beneath the surface where you struggle right now the most. And may you in turn take that same light that you receive and pass that on to other people that you see treading water with you, living the tension that life is beautiful and life is also simultaneously hard. And there are places in your life right now that are going awesome and areas where there is struggle and neither one negates the other. Both can be true. Grace, peace. I'll see you again soon.